Wow. I am so, so glad that, you know, despite the fact that everything is falling apart around us, we can at least rely on Raytheon. <laughs> to continue foreign arms sales. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what I would do without Raytheon because there would be no normalcy, right? Unless I know that like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon are operating 24-hour factories maintaining order production capacity for you know 80 million dollar airplanes that we're going to sell to saudi arabia then like i really can't sleep at night yeah that's just me personally though i mean i mean yeah it's it's (laughs) it's really nice to have you know the uh ice cream stand closed but but the missiles must go on ice cream can wait but missiles can (laughs) yeah well if you think about uh if you really think about it drones are sort of like the end state of social distancing right oh mm. god mm. <laughs> wow totally. Vince. You, wow you went there already buddy. <laughs> is... i'm sorry it's one of those mornings i mean it just has like such evangelion vibes you know like mm-hmm. the entire world is falling apart totally there's only um, one city left and right, it's like it's all underground like gigantic triangles come out of the air and kill people yeah. like you know but that's um, what those raytheon factories are doing is just breeding children for uh piloting drones right <laughs> yeah breeding children and building yeah. avas that's, that's what, what you we need do. to do for 24 hours a day yeah yeah exactly that's definitely what's going on honestly i mm-hmm. might be more at ease if we were building avas and breeding children at raytheon instead of building f-35s but that's just me i don't know about that but okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean the avas are plugged in they can only go so far you know yeah and then they have what three minutes and they're out so like that's much easier to deal with than a, a fighter jet i mean the alternative is like sort of a ghost in the shell to gynoid bot kind of a kind of a situation <laughs> when like human beings actually can't interact because like the pathogen has become too mm. intense so yeah. yeah so raytheon just makes sex dolls but yeah fuck immunity passports just go straight to the uh <laughs> just like create filigree humans you know yeah, yeah. Like all to decide, um, there have been a couple stories coming out about blue collar workers in the defense industry who are being sent to the production line with minimal safety standards being enforced. You know, it's kind of absolutely amazing, even though we we know the priorities. Like it's kind of amazing to see it actually happen a little bit. Yeah, I, I've kind of actually. B, I'm glad that that this is your reaction to this because I constantly feel this reaction on this podcast <laughs> and feel like I'm the only one who's like, guys, I'm still, I knew this was going to happen, but I'm still surprised. Yeah, I mean, we haven't joked about it, basically. Like, there are going to be, yeah. they're just going to endlessly uh, expand the definition of what counts as essential work. And now, quite literally, we have a memo from April 17th saying that, like, foreign arms sales are essential work. Welcome to the Death Panel, the flagship podcast of the Immunity Ledger offering a private solution to verifying COVID-19 immunity on the blockchain. Oh, God. <laughs> Delicioso. Real company, by the way. Unfortunately. Wow, I can't believe that. Um, you can support us at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. We do two episodes a week, and if you'd like access to that bonus episode, become a supporter it's of the show. more than just, you know, you're a patron, and then we're also patrons of you. 
in a way. Yeah. This is yeah. a collaborative thing. We patronize right. you. Sorry. Damn it. In all earnesty, like, thank you to all of our patrons. We could not do this without you, literally. And yeah. we appreciate mm-hmm. the support for all of the stuff that we've been doing over the past, you know, however many months. Anyways, so this blockchain company is a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, as we'll get into shortly, actually, there are, I, I think this this is one of, I'm sure there are many more than just uh, this, like the immunity ledger thing. I mean, if there's one but, blockchain solution, there must be four others. It's oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But science. They're going to, I mean, we're going to see, like, I'm sure much more grifting on this because there is going to be, as we've talked about before, like in the absence of a public solution to any of these uh, things and also in you know in the presence of so much sort of public I don't know tripping over oneself um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. on the on the governmental level I suppose there are going to be endless amounts of um, private attempts to to shore up this stuff so yeah oh for sure exactly we're going to need to keep a close eye on new firm creation and uh, new 501c3 and 501c4 starts Um, should we get into a little bit about the Paycheck Protection Act the CPC and the latest with uh, everything going on with Congress Mm we covered this in our most recent patron episode a little bit Mm -hmm. but of course you know time moves forward in a linear fashion and there have been developments well although i don't think that we were quite expecting there to be a development here i think this is one of the this is Mm -hmm. actually kind of a really interesting thing because so yeah in our our last episode we talked about how we talked at length actually about the cpc the congressional progressive caucus and how they had continued their their endless pattern of uh doing things like i mean even even just after we posted that episode like it came out that someone from the cpc was like doing a campaign event to support uh joe kennedy challenging ed markey which is just um so it's like fantastic yeah so it's like you know um so we we registered our disappointments there um, but it does appear that there is a new sort of uh, alliance between some of the better uh, members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus in the House and actually some quite conservative Democrats who are in swing uh, yeah. state seats. This is very, very interesting development, I think, mm-hmm. because I think what we talked about on the, the patron episode was just sort of like the weakness of the CPC and mm-hmm. like even getting like a, a small handful of its members to say no and sort of take a stand against uh, the uh, party leadership. And uh, especially when it comes to this Paycheck Guarantee Act, which is really like one of the better policy ideas that has like come out of Jayapal's office and the CPC yeah. mm-hmm, for sure. And the the thing that we were talking about was just like how weak uh, the CPC is. Like they don't really have an ability to get their members to do things they want them to do. But this what's what's happening here is like so much more interesting. Which is like yeah. maybe this is not a story about moderates versus like whatever left or progressive members of the house. Maybe that's just like a canard. Maybe this is a story about leadership versus their rank and file members of Mm. all stripes. And um, maybe the divide in Congress uh, or in the house is not ideological, but basically generation sort of in terms of party. Well, or even just party hierarchy, like the people who are Mm -hmm. trying to climb up the hierarchy uh, and people who are, you know, freshmen, uh, members of Congress uh, from any number of uh, districts, you know, from from conservative ones to uh, pretty left leaning ones. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and I mean, we really did not consider this on the last episode from this perspective. But like, you know, if you think about it from the perspective of like a pretty conservative freshman member, the Heroes Act 
just feels like a fucking disaster for those people. It, like just as much as, you know, it's 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 just like a, a bad piece of legislation politically. It's mm-hmm. garbage. <laughs> like they're going to get hammered on that. So so it kind of does make sense that that this that this would have happened in this way. Yeah. I mean, it also, I think, speaks to the um, sort of fundamental, I don't know, good sense, I guess, of the because even the I think the Paycheck Protection Act, what's interesting about it is obviously so, yes, it comes from Pramila Jayapal, one of the most uh, mm-hmm. like uh, progressive legislators, um, you know, be a big scare quotes progressive because obviously that that as we've talked about before has basically no meaning at this point but you know one of one of the uh like further left i suppose um Mm -hmm. members of congress and you know it it wasn't considered and basically like the paycheck protection act uh, was essentially like struck out or like made sure to never be uh, brought into the heroes act uh, Mm -hmm. by pelosi and pelosi's office but like um at the same time things like it so the paycheck protection act would essentially uh make it so that quite a bit of it, it's sort of like you know how the cares act was supposed to have uh, these sort of like twin things of <laughs> um you give loans to small businesses uh in like in exchange for them retaining their uh workforce mm-hmm. basically which you know clearly as we've seen has worked out really well wow. yeah. really Great. awesome swimmingly um and then also you know increased unemployment insurance uh for those who are you know i guess basically for businesses who are not able to get the loans and like keep workforce i suppose is the idea mm-hmm. the paycheck Pro- uh, protection act would uh essentially actually basically follow what most other countries have done uh, mm-hmm. in the city or like what a lot of other countries have done quite a quite a bit of other countries have which done which is also like worth in, finding out it's it's showed positive results in terms of very like the implementation results. as well it's not just like oh yeah. people tried it and like juries out like people tried it and this is other countries have tried this and it's been incredibly successful yeah right. in in basically keeping unemployment from spiking like it has here i mean even right. again you know public episode so here we are thursday morning another spike of like what two and a half million i think two uh, point, new unemployment yeah, claims 2.7. but you know so it uh the paycheck protection act would essentially make, make it so that like workers can just like stay employed the government would pick up mm-hmm. um would basically pick up the bill for for their paycheck and you know uh, there are the arguments against this are um varied and they are all mm-hmm. bullshit basically <laughs> um but the arguments i think one of the you know it's it's worth mentioning for example um people like don moynihan and pam Hurd, uh who've been talking mm-hmm. about this a lot mm-hmm. um who wrote i think like more than a month ago uh a uh, op-ed saying that like this is exactly what you should do because right. there are so many administrative burdens uh, in place as we've, you know, again, as we've talked about, yeah. um, that keep people from getting unemployment insurance to the point that in a survey, um, Don was pointing this out on Twitter to put the point that in a survey of low income workers, uh, only like one in five who qualified for unemployment mm-hmm. insurance, uh, were mm-hmm. getting it. And that's like at the, on the onset right. of a pandemic. This is a, this is a really terrible, like to ha- to not have this, a set of, a system like this in place is like mm-hmm. an absolutely terrible uh, right. Like development. I know people say calling stuff crazy is ableist, but I would argue that this is clinically fucking crazy. <laughs> well, the, the, I think the clinically word does a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> the argument that so like the leadership apparently made on this was that it was like not implementable. Right. So like, so here, uh-huh. this is like a classic, a classic, uh, gimmick of mm-hmm. the leadership at this point. Uh, but it's like, well, that's, that's impossible. We can never do that. Keep in mind that all this would really require is the treasury department, particularly the IRS to like 
use some data that they already have mm-hmm. on employers, uh, get some certifications that there were COVID-19 related uh, layoffs or furloughs, and then distribute uh, these paycheck guarantee grants. And, you know, the other thing is that, like, it's it's not only, like, doable, like, technically, you can draft this, le- you should not be able to, like, it should not take that much time to, like, draft this legislation. No. Um, if the leadership wanted to do it, it could do it. Um, so like that argument is just like bullshit. Just it's, well, yeah. it's like like a complete. Um, oh, you know, there's there's it's uh, lazy bullshit. It's hand waving. Yeah, right. it's 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 really it's really lazy. It's like we couldn't do this thing. Oh, why? Because there's no legislation. It's like oh, but you could write the legislation. Right, we can't do this thing. Yeah, um, but we're in Congress. That's not our job. We don't write our legislation. Right, right, right. That's that's other uh, people do that. But the other thing that's that's really like wild about it is just like. What's the strong, I think Vince was alluding to this earlier, like what's the strongest attack line or one of the strongest attack lines that like Mitch McConnell and other like Republicans are using right now is that like Democrats are trying to keep people unemployed. That's the, that's like attack line. Mm -hmm. McConnell's already said there's going to be no unemployment insurance extension in the next bill that comes out. Yeah. So like that's his line in the same. Right. And, and, but for McConnell, right. That's, that's just such a fucking win-win, right. He can be like, yeah. I didn't I didn't balloon the deficit and like and I'm not the party of uh of like unemployment and it's just like for Nancy Pelosi to think that like literally walking into that rake like massive rake is a good idea is just completely strategically idiotic and like the the fact that these all of these members are uh are breaking all these yeah. like conservative members yeah. are breaking from her should like l- literally speaks volumes i think it's like telling i wouldn't have ever expected to hear like someone from a, like a conservative democrat from long island is co-sponsoring legislation with jayapal um mm-hmm. you know like uh the problem solvers caucus comes together with the congressional <laughs> progressive caucus sounds like the ninth circle of hell has melted or something like yeah. if you think about the way that like especially the sort of like partisan infighting has been talked about in the media for especially like the past like four or five years, I'd say there's the idea that sort of that this is like a ideological battle to the death, right? It's like about Mm -hmm. the left trying to inject their social policy and everyone trying to remain the same. But it's like, it is a little, it does make me hopeful to hear that like, you know, Tom Susie or Sousie, I don't know how to pronounce his name, who's like a very boring uh, rep from Long Island who like only cares about small businesses is actually demonstrating that he literally actually cares about actual small right. businesses. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's actually kind of refreshing. Yeah. And incredibly yeah. unusual. I mean, like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't give the thing is, I, I feel like a lot of credit is being given to these. I mean, like, okay, it's good that it's good that they're co sponsoring it or whatever, but I don't think that we should like give too much no, credit no, 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 to these no, people I, because fundamentally it's telling that people, that these people are in like uh, swing districts, that they're in like sensitive districts because mm-hmm. ultimately, like, I couldn't think of, I mean, I already thought before, uh, even before like the primary winnowed down below like 20 people or something like the democratic primary, mm-hmm. I already thought that the Democrats were basically, frankly, really discounting like the popularity of Trump among conservative oh, circles sure. yeah. and, and the, the real ability for him to, to win a second term here. And I frankly think this reflects like a possibly a realization of the reality that between what has happened and what we talked about with like Biden um, and like the way the primary ultimately played out, but now especially Mm -hmm. the 
response from uh, Democrats in Congress uh, between certain things that were in the CARES Act or and then coupled with what they're promoting in like the Heroes Act mm-hmm. just puts them in. I can't imagine a more vulnerable place. They've literally just like this is uh, it's like the biggest possible gift to a mm-hmm. uh, concert like to a conservative movement to say right. like, oh, look, no, it's just like uh, the line in 2016. Like these people are are corrupt and they don't actually care about you. Why would you right. vote for the Democrat? Like uh, what have you got to lose? Scare quotes, or whatever, also, you know? Yeah. I also think it speaks to the um, simplicity and logic and usefulness of Jayapal's legislation, too, because this is clearly such a good and simple idea that it is not difficult to rally people around. Um, it's simply just being suppressed because of, as Phil, you were saying, there's this sort of like arbitrary hierarchy that's going on that has got less to do with helping people than it has to do with just internal bureaucracy at this point. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I can't figure out, I, I'm trying to think about another reason why, like it, clearly the there's the cost thing is just a canard again, because like, again, we're spent, we would be spending lots of money on lots more money on, on unemployment insurance anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, this, the price tag on this bill is like not appreciably different in any way. Um, it's not as if there's, you know, this is, there's not like a clear industrial strategy against Mm -hmm. this legislation. Um, as opposed to anything else, like the industrial strategy is just for more reopening, I suppose. But in any case, that's not what, Pelosi's pivoting towards. So that doesn't really explain it. Um, the only thing, and then it, it, it's not as if this is like DOA in the Senate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Republicans who are sponsoring a piece of legislation, which could uh, a separate piece of legislation, which could become a vehicle uh, for like an amended, amended version of this. So like um, you can't sort of make the, oh, it'll be DOA in the Senate anyway, which that's mm-hmm. not even a good argument because it could be a messaging bill. But um, mm-hmm. so the only thing I can think of is this is just a, I cannot let Pramila Jayapal win a mm-hmm. battle. It's purely, yeah. mm-hmm. it's purely about maintaining order, maintaining the pecking order um, in the house, mm-hmm. which is a really um, pecuniary, like narrow <laughs> way of thinking about like what it's like, Oh, we have to maintain order in this house. Um, and that's, and that's the, um, I mean, uh, it co- that, that takes precedence over pandemic response. Right. Just look at, but look at where it's fucking coming from. Like, uh, you know, an an aging speaker who like is concerned about like her policy priority legacy. And like, you know, she wants to basically have as much control until she decides to like, you know, until somebody like either axes her or like she decides to hand shit off to like the person who's, you know, she she deems to, to be the person to carry her legacy forward. Like she doesn't give a shit about helping people or legislation Mm-mm. like probably never really did. I mean, you know, she's a, she's like a vote whipper. Like that's her, yeah. that's like always been she her just, fucking legacy. She just wants to clean the dog poo off Trump's pants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's this is just, I hated that quote so much. Oh my God. It's so, so mad. stupid. It, it's, too funny the fact that like you know nancy pelosi's priorities are more aligned to like a high school like click leader bully bitch than it is to anything relating to her actual job description she loves her brand. i mean that is she her likes job her description <laughs> she wants to make sure everybody's in line and that the party is exactly how she wants but like in terms of actual job description like and on wednesdays we were pink exactly <laughs> exactly well, well i think um 
if there is one good silver lining to this, actually, it's Jayapal actually whipping mm-hmm. people um, mm-hmm. and like getting or like getting people uh, together to advance, you know, a, a more uh, I was going to say a more left agenda, but even like whatever to, to advance at the very least, uh, like bottom basement, like good policy Sane or whatever. Policy. Yeah, not like, just fully deranged, debased garbage. Well, stuff that yeah, stuff that won't just like continue the like house style, no pun intended, of like means testing and austerity, right? Like mm-hmm. seeing her, like seeing her uh, get conservative Democrats together for this you know, speaks to like the possibility of like something that I would like to see, which is like Jayapal should frankly be the speaker of the house. But love mm-hmm. that being said, it has, I feel like literally they would not give Jayapal speaker of the house position specifically because speaker is what third in line for the presidency. Oh, and shit. yeah. And Jayapal wasn't uh, born in the United States, but like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> These bad, rules whatever are bad so rules, dumb. but These yeah. Are so um, stupid. Should we uh, move along maybe to the uh ada QAnon stuff what do we think yeah this okay. is too hopeful let's get on let's let's talk about some debased garbage <laughs> <laughs> um so we'll you know we'll probably be checking back on that you know whenever whatever fresh hell uh continues to develop in this section because mm-hmm. um, it's not like covid's going away and it's not like any more people are going to be less talking unemployed. about <laughs> it's getting better and better all the time yeah <laughs> So, um, you know, one of my favorite things that has happened this week was to uh, watch conspiracy theorists attempt to weaponize the ADA to not wear masks, <laughs> only to realize it's not really that helpful in practice. Well, I don't think that they've realized that. <laughs> I don't think they have. So, I don't think I don't they know. understand. Yeah. Um, so so we there have been a couple of viral videos this week. One was from a prominent like flat earther. Another one was from a like man in a Costco or something. Um, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like I feel like this is, this is a history of science 101. Flat earthers, Galileo, people in Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, Costco member. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like funny, being Marty. in the CPC. All you have to do is pay your dues and you can become a member. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but this is, I think this is really, this is good to talk about also because again, actually it's, uh, you know, it's funny because speaking of our last episode, we talked about the pandemic conspiracy theory mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, highly recommend giving that a listen. We, yeah. te- we tend to not spend too much time uh, talking about uh, like conspiracy stuff. And this isn't totally a conspiracy theory so much as like, you know, like meme misinformation just that has spread throughout the right wing. Just, yeah, yeah um, there's, it, there's no theory. It's, it's no theory. Right. But it is. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is like a pretty incredible crossover of actually exactly the death panel's interests because we have the pandemic. <laughs> (laughs) And essentially, so the, 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 like the headline here basically is that, so people, there's a, there's a meme spreading around that basically says that if you feel like it, I guess you can, let's say, carry around a card that says that you have, um, some condition, uh, not specified condition, um, that makes it so that like you, you medically are on, you are medically not required to wear a face mask in public. And that because of HIPAA, a store can't ask you what what uh, is why or what condition you have what disability you have um and 
threatens also that you can so like people are basically like carrying these cards around uh that say i'll just i'll read the actual yes, text do. of it yeah 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 because um, i won't be able to read it without like crying so hard from laughing also like frankly it was written in notes obviously because the, the <laughs> title of it is untitled all the all the images of this are so bad anyway that i don't think that you could read obviously like the images of this are not ocr'd so i don't oh, no, think no. that you, you have should have, you should have heard this. i tried to put it so, through my like uh seeing ai app which where microsoft takes every screenshot that people send me and then like reads it and probably sells the data and even seeing ai couldn't read it yeah like. <laughs> so um this says uh this is a card uh being carried around <laughs> Uh, by various flat earthers, QAnons, and, you know, patriots, true patriots. Um, I am exempt, underlined, bold, and italic, from all caps, all regulation mandating face mask usage in public. Wearing a face mask poses a health risk to me. Under the ADA and HIPAA, uh, I am not required to disclose my medical condition to anyone. Also, HIPAA is uh, mis- Spelled hip, 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 uh, hip um, they put two P's instead of two A's. And then it shows like the number to call to report a Department of Justice ADA violation. So again, this re- this rests on the uh, the misunderstanding that there is an ADA police, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says organizations, <laughs> you can thank us for that, I suppose. Like- <laughs> organizations and businesses can be fined up to seventy five thousand dollars for the first ADA violation and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for any subsequent violations. Big if true. Um, yeah. Then then says attention government agents. Oh my God. Please provide lawful and necessary consideration to aid the bearer in the unimpeded exercise of constitutionally protected rights. Thank you for your understanding and assistance. Ah, yes. Okay. HIPAA, the health insurance portability, portability, accountability. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That Um, famous piece of landmark legislation which prevents you from having to publicly disclose your medical condition in a grocery store. Hip pa. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> do we know what the do we know what the origin the origin is what this the flat earther person and the like a viral freak out that happened. This I think a viral I th- freak out. I believe her name is Shelly Lewis. Yeah, like a viral freak out that happened that was basically saying it was someone I think just kind of flat out saying like I can't I'm not required to disclose like a medical condition like not it wasn't packaged with any of this like all of this language about the like uh you can be fined seventy five thousand dollars etc uh was added to like not just these cards but also to like people like post this on forums and and on twitter actually if you search like ada seventy five thousand on twitter Mm -hmm. for example there's like tons of people respond just like reply guys uh replying like just fyi like you can you can skirt this uh this law like you don't have to wear uh a mask when you go shop at cabela's or whatever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like um first of all you go into cabela's they're not asking you to put a mat i'm just i'm guessing that if you're going into cabela's in butte they're not asking you to put a mask i'm just (laughs) just a guess but yeah Agreed. Um, yeah. So I actually looked up this flat earther and it turns out that she is a quite prominent flat earther speaker on the flat earth conference circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls herself a certified lymphologist. Did not realize that was a huh. thing. Huh. Um, she's a licensed holistic health practitioner, a passionate <laughs> truther, vegan chef, <laughs> photographer, mm. co-director and co-producer of something called the plain truth documentary. 
Um, she went to West Point and She's a father slash filmmaker. Yes, father slash filmmaker. Um, and it's funny because like uh, about a year and a half ago, my I remember my brother calling me being like B. Flat earthers are real. My friend's sister <laughs> works for this like huge hotel chain and they're having this conference. Check a look at like these fucking materials. Guess who was the headline speaker at that conference that blew my brother's mind? Miss Shelley Lewis of Orange County, California. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, okay. So I think, I think it's worth getting into what's actually happening here. Cause obviously, right. you know, we can be like, aha, flat, flat earthers, haha, whatever. Um, but the, I think that this is one of those things where, um, that intersection of, you know, again, as we'll talk about it in a minute, these sort of like Amer- quote, like big scare quotes, American Liberty, uh, thing, the, uh, mm-hmm. like pe- people wanting to exercise their, uh, freedoms to not, um, their freedom to not do their part. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, cause if you wear the- a mask, then you acknowledge that the moon landing was real. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's sort of, it's interesting. I was, I was talking to somebody who had, who works in Hong Kong. And um, they're talking about like one of the sort of fascinating things is with everything that's been going on in the last year in Hong Kong, the sort of the anti-government sentiment there is incredibly high. So information Mm -hmm. about public health that's coming out from the government is not trusted. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like there is a there is a sense like what the government tells you to do related to public health will be, um, you know, will will not protect you. They don't know how to protect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're telling you is just a means of controlling you, which is sort of in a way uh, there, there's an there's an analog with what um, sort of conservative uh, like flat earther types are are telling their um, telling their co- comrades. Yeah. Um, the the interesting thing about Hong Kong though is that there are a couple mitigating factors, which is one. the The protest movement there has actually adopted the role of the state mm-hmm. uh, in itself in promoting its own public health messages, which are all about the importance of wearing masks. It also happens to be the case that wearing masks was, was something that became explicitly prohibited uh, by the state. (laughs) And so, and then plus, plus the, the sort of experience of SARS and the actual public health value of wearing a mask, very, very visible. Um, and I feel like this is what's, what's going on here is like, you have this like sort of social leadership. I mean, who was the guy? Was it? So, I mean, I think it was in Illinois, um, this state Republican state legislator was like thrown out of the chamber for refusing to wear a mask. Darren Bailey, I think. Bailey. Yeah. Bailey. Bailey. Um, and, and so like, there is this sort of, I mean, I guess the convenient way of describing this is like, Ooh, it's coming from these, uh, fringe, uh, flat earther accounts, which of course it is, but it's, I, I think those things don't have, they don't get traction and they don't really diffuse yeah, unless they're yep. reinforced over and over again, mm-hmm. like sort of at the elite level. <clears throat> like there's all of these like imprimaturs that have been stamped on these ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's also kind of what I, uh, th- that's in a way what I mean by the, um, like it's we, like we can make like make fun of like flat earthers haha but it makes sense that where people are basically like completely untrustworthy they view this thing as uh more likely because again most people have not seen this in their lived uh experience really Mm -hmm. um or to the extent that they have uh they maybe lived it as a pandemic that they thought did not apply to them like the aids crisis or something like that or they're like a crazy Um, person spitting on me on the subway right but well but the but so people uh you know it, it is in some sense rational to to look at what is happening 
happening and think like, oh, this is like so overblown. Um, this is, you know, this is just like a, a control mechanism to make sure that like the people stay sheep or whatever, um, which I think is literally what the Costco mm-hmm. guy says. He's literally doing the like wake up sheeple thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I mean, fundamentally, uh, okay. So the motivations and, and the interpretation of events can be like one thing, but also what they're substantively doing, mm-hmm. I think is worth like pointing out how fundamentally flawed it -hmm. is because i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. would see this and be like oh my god like these these like right-wing conspiracy theorists or whatever like these conspiracy nuts are like um are leveraging like a a, like a a law accurately or something to make it so that they'll (laughs) continue to be a public health threat and actually it's really not the case like these are mm-hmm. no, these laws do not actually do what they say they do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i thought maybe we could like discuss that for a second yeah we should yeah. totally unpack that i mean you know I, to be honest i actually first saw the story not through like oh look at what flat earthers are doing now but through disability twitter which happens often actually because you know like uh people were upset because this this happens all the time like with service animals for example people mm-hmm. sort of attack the rights of like service animal licensing it's abused it now has this sort of like misunderstanding in the public and if you use a service animal it's incredibly hard to to get it right it's like if you are asking for an accommodation for your disability like it is not going to be easy the ada is not some sort of automatic card you flash and the door is opened there's like an incredible burden of proof there is a litigation process there is like a a whole big fucking morass right like it's already it's already hard enough for people with disabilities to get accommodations even when they're just asking for very simple things and when they are for instance like and i think very almost no people like go in and just like say oh yeah you have to do this because of the because ada or whatever it's really it's really just like you know you'll ask for like a basic accommodation and then people still are faced with a lot of uh, like skepticism. So oh, actually, sure. in a way, this like totally this is especially annoying because it uh, completely actually undermines what is already a fundamentally like uh, difficult experience for a lot of people who are actually oppressed in this way. Oh, for right? sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, for most people asking for accommodations, it will not be accommodated, and you will face like mm-hmm. rude, uh, invasive and inappropriate pushback. Right. And, and, you know, obviously that's very true and that sentiment's like a big deal, but like I was laughing my ass off because I'm like, oh my God, these fucking idiots who think <laughs> that they're being like duped into wearing masks and are going to reinfect themselves or some whatever, or this is like some big sort of push for capital E economy, they think that they can weaponize this thing. Yeah. And they, they don't like, even realize like <laughs> how they don't believe in they like don't believe uh in like the adequacy of or the competency of the state. And they also simultaneously believe that uh there are extremely strong protections for people with like certain conditions that they don't happen to have yeah yeah it made me laugh because it's like this is literally just if you were to like create a encyclopedia entry of that thing that we say all the time you know like people just assume that disabled people's needs are like met or whatever like that would just be Mm -hmm. the situation it's sort of an interesting thing which is it's sort of like an analog to me of like popular constitutional culture of like you know the the people like the constitution apparently justifies any number of 
things that I just want to do and are, you know, whatever it is, it's sort of, it's sort Those of like, you know, I have a personal, nerds. yeah, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I carry, <laughs> you know, which means that I can do whatever I want, uh, basically. Uh, but it's sort of, I'm imagining instead of people carrying the pocket constitution, they're carrying the pocket version of the ADA uh, <laughs> an image that came to mind. Uh, well, I feel like it might even be bigger. Wait, I was just gonna, I was just gonna make the point though, that, this is the exact same behavior that these same right-wing like nuts use to justify bathroom bills. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh, uh, it's exactly they're doing exactly what they're afraid of other people doing. Yeah. Like well, yeah, it's got to like, come from somewhere, huh? Right. It's like ha- you, you <laughs> do the, ha- the suspicion comes from somewhere. I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> These people are such assholes. Um, <sighs> so I think. I think it's uh, I, I do, again, want to get to what these laws actually do, because mm-hmm. it is not mm-hmm. what they say that right. they do. Yeah. So uh, so like the ADA. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. First of all, the Americans with Disabilities Act does not protect people who do not have disabilities. No. Full stop. Like that's right. right like mm-hmm. th- that's just one main thing. Like, obviously, I know that they are to some degree doing this like this is this is being done especially the people who like print out the cards or whatever and have mm-hmm. like law enforcement like assist me or whatever um you know they they know this is like to some degree a, a grift like i'm sure well not that they necessarily know but it's like some of them must know that it doesn't actually protect them that they're just basically um that they have to essentially literally be faking a disability um in order to uh make well, people I mean, make people like think that they, I, well, which is why the HIPAA say, thing exists well, I would say that I'm not sure that they know that it doesn't cover them. I my perception is they think that the ADA protects chiselers and mm. they they're like, you know what? I'll just be a chiseler. I was that's my go that's my too. sense. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think this is like a misunderstanding that they like don't have protections under like this because they don't have a disability. I think it's like a all people who seek protections under the ADA don't right. need them. Yeah, that, yeah. no, that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. To me. Yeah, exactly. Um, the second, and then the second, like, really important thing is HIPAA. Mm-hmm. And so, HIPAA. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous part of this whole thing to me because, like, it makes no sense. HIPAA pretty much is like just. You know, in the public consciousness, HIPAA is something that is cited as this thing that's like, oh, your your medical information is confidential or whatever, right? <laughs> but HIPAA is actually basically just a law that makes it so that uh, for certain types of disclosure, including selling medical data to private companies, mm-hmm. medical information has to be de-identified. There is absolutely nothing in HIPAA that says that, like, you are that a like Walmart employee is <laughs> out of bounds for like asking you if you have a condition. I mean, as any disabled person who's ever asked for any type of accommodation will tell you, you have no rights to not have these invasive questions asked of you. Right. You will have these questions asked of you. They will probably cross the line they in will some be capacity. Annoying as hell. HIPAA more than anything else, like relates to the p part portability so like one of the things that like hipaa did was basically said like you have the right to request your medical records and take them with you they do not belong Mm -hmm. to your doctor Mm -hmm. um also your doctor cannot like 
sell it or call your boss and give your boss your medical records. Yeah. That has right. nothing to do with their understanding. Obviously, you know, it, it, ha- it also has to do with like access to like info about your medical condition or the ability to call your doctor over the phone. It's absolutely amazing to yeah. me. The fact the, that like people don't understand. Yep. Yeah. HIPAA protects something that's very specific, which is called PHI, protected health information. And like PHI is, is, is not like any information about your, you know, any information that somebody might request from you, like upon entering a store, it's, it's information that can be linked. That is like concerns your health and can be linked to you specifically either by your name your social security number, your email address, your medical mm-hmm. record number, like basically information that can be linked in some sort of identifiable way. When you go into a store, you don't say, hi, my name is uh, Phil Rocco and my social security number is this. And uh, oh yeah, also I have this <laughs> Well, condition. you don't yet do that. Here are all of my, here are all of my pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm diagnosed with being yeah. too charming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I just I just can't wait for people to to figure out what these two particular laws actually do. Um, I don't know that they, they will necessarily. Yeah, but no. bottom bottom line, we've now explained it. So um, yeah. don't uh, I don't know. Don't be a dick to service workers. Maybe yeah. that's probably a great idea. Yeah. Also for um, like you know just if you're gonna claim like your right to do whatever you want in a place of business then like just stick to that line you know if you want to discriminate <laughs> against trans people and not make gay wedding cakes like then sorry bitch you have to wear a mask also that's the rule yeah. now until the <laughs> Supreme know? Court says otherwise yeah when when we pass uh, when we pass the when the Supreme Court passes the ADA police bill because that's right. how this works right you know once the Supreme when- Court initiates the ADA police and then. <laughs> you know uh the treasury department implements i fuck these people don't understand what they, you know like. yeah. well i think actually this is a good phil phil's counterfactual about going into a store and saying this is my name this is my social security number is probably a good uh transition point to get into the uh paper that we wanted to discuss today mm-hmm. um on immunity passports or so-called immunity based licenses which is a not unrealistic vision of our future frankly oh, under, i think it's uh, i think it's capitalist quite, pandemic response quite possible that this is going to happen but the question is in which form will the destructor come uh oh my the, god uh, Oh, so yeah, I mean, let's uh, maybe just a background, like longtime listeners of the show, big fans of Death Panel will know the name Zeke Emanuel and be like, (sighs) I don't know if that's like a good cheer or like a hissing, booing noise, pick whichever one you want. Um, But our good friend Zeke Emanuel, brother of Rob Emanuel, um, has a a crusade that centers around his like public health advocacy practice, which is like people shouldn't live over the age of 75 and everyone should just be euthanized. Um, We've covered a couple fantastic takes of his from like the past couple of years. He's um, also, he's, he uh, played a very foundational role in the popularization of the term death panel. Exactly. Actually, because he was basically because of this, uh, you know, you should basically not, live past 75 take he was uh, mm-hmm. one of the people that the um that the right wing seized on when zeke Emanuel, you know worked with the obama administration mm-hmm. on health policy um to 
to say like, oh, look, there is a death panel doctor. Right. Yeah. So um, when death panel was so he's like the death panel doctor. brought into popular consciousness, it was Sarah Palin pointing at Ezekiel Emanuel saying he wants to euthanize your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, that's the. It was that's that among other things. That but guy. Yeah. So you know his um his I hope to die at seventy five is sort of his thesis, and he has become quite the uh, thought leader in the era of COVID as to um, the other ways he could apply his cruel eugenics practices to the global phenomenon that we're currently experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this paper came out uh, that is just. Ooh. And it's like, it's not just a, like a white paper. It's like a paper in JAMA, which I don't know how the fuck this got published, but okay. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know either. It makes me a little nervous, but the paper is called the ethics of COVID-19 immunity based licenses. And in parentheses, it says, quote, immunity passports. Yeah. And so I think actually the best way to do this probably would be to go through some of it because yeah, actually so. this is an eminently readable paper. We talk about like a lot of uh, studies and, and papers here, but I think that actually the, you know, this, this is worth looking at in its own words. So um, actually 100%. maybe I should uh, read part of this and then you guys can jump in. Yeah. Can we do a close yes. read already? Yeah. Let's can you do, let's do this. And um, so uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to start right at the, at the top, but basically um, you know, the, so the paper sets out a couple things saying like, other countries have uh, looked at and started to implement immunity uh, licenses. If you want to know what, if you want to imagine what that kind of looks like, think um, if anyone watched the movie Contagion when mm-hmm. uh, when this like pandemic started, like rewatched that or whatever. There's a scene where towards the end, um, Matt Damon's character, who it's set up through the whole movie, is like magically immune <laughs> or something. Um, Matt Damon's character like is wearing a little uh, like wristband, like a you know, like you wear at a concert, except for it looks a bit more like a GPS tracker device. Looks I guess. like a Fitbit or something. Looks, yeah, yeah uh, somewhere between like a Fitbit and a uh, hospital bracelet, ankle bracelet, like travel <laughs> monitor. Um, he like and he uses it to basically like press the fob against uh, like a security door to go into a totally empty. Um, shopping mall that essentially looks like if you've ever been in uh like a i don't know like a international duty-free um (laughs) stop like in a in an airport (laughs) like yeah in the middle of the night when no one's there or like first thing in the morning (laughs) yeah um just like yeah anyway so they're basically going to address the ethical considerations here right so uh let's let's get right into this so they're trying to figure out what's the what's the ethical way to do an immunity passport Right. I'll just start reading here. Uh, The least restrictive Mm -hmm. alternative principle supports using COVID-19 immunity licenses if available. Current liberty limiting restrictions on gatherings, work and travel. So our lockdowns are justified because infected people may be harmed or die and may harm others by spreading disease or overburdening hospitals. But they are not justified when applied to people at little or no risk of infection. Oh, my God. So yeah. non-humans so, quote we so know like, who is at risk. Yeah. So their their whole like gambit here what is 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 that like we sort of agree with the people in Michigan uh who are protesting that like these <laughs> these things are liberty limited but you know what what those people would really like those people would probably love a testing regime set up <laughs> by a government agency that then yeah. has to certify basically establishing a different level or layer of citizenship for them. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. um, they would probably love that. 
Well, they're like you. So you want an ADA card? You want a card that says yeah, like exactly. you're, you can be fined if you don't let me not wear a mask in your store? Here you go, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, except for actually, they're like, yeah, actually, that's a very good deal idea. We should that's do right. that. We should, we should put a stand on everyone. Idea. What if instead of educating people, we charge them thirty five dollars and hand them a piece of paper that enables them to do whatever the fuck they want instead? Yeah. But they have a card now, so we so, can track them. How might individuals be given the opportunity to demonstrate immunity? (laughs) Drivers and pilots licenses and similar policies suggest a way forward. (laughs) Rather than banning risky activities, licensing permits people to participate in these activities only after evidence of safety, such as through competency tests, has been demonstrated. Can we pause? Hold on for one second. Okay. It's dangerous to go outside without a mask because you'll catch COVID. Therefore... If we do something similar to a pilot's exam, we're all good. I guess right. so. <laughs> even if, even if they were saying like, not actually, let's do a competence competency exam. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me at all. Does that make sense to any of you guys? Well, consider also that uh, I don't know. People like uh, doctors and nurses and other medical professionals are quite literally licensed to operate and do certain sorts of. Like, uh, you know, interact with people who are ill and and do all of these like very high risk activities. And still a lot of like fucking doctors and nurses are are we're losing them to covid. Like, okay, when has a certification exam is going to do great for Costco guy. When has a competency exam ever guaranteed that the person actually retained it and can do it in practice yeah ever (laughs) i mean i would just say i feel like the they they're talking about this in terms of like drivers and pilots licenses because you can study for those things and like you know it seems it seems like very um innocuous but like what they neglect the 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 comparison that they neglect uh quite understandably to make is to disability um, reviews and, right. and other such things where like, it's not oh, good your, your, uh, competency that's being evaluated. It's your health status. Yeah. And, I was going to um, say, yeah, it also is a lot like, uh, like apartheid South Africa. Oh, he's getting there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 let's it's, not spoil the surprise. Yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah, we yeah. Don't, yeah. Why, why hold on a fun apartheid when we have the Holocaust coming up? Uh, okay. Anyway, so Uh, The term immunity-based licenses is better than immunity passports. Passports suggest an all or nothing... The wording is really where it's going to... Yeah, the wording matters a lot. More people have licenses than passports. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, just like that, we need to make sure that more (laughs) their licenses because it's easier to get a license than a passport. See, you know, it's like... It's like we could be like, we'll give you health care or we can give you employer sponsored health care. So um, he goes <laughs> really, on. the difference is just the wording and nothing else is functional. Um, so they go on. Passports suggest an all or nothing permission and endorse categorical denial of access to an entire country. Mm. In contrast, licensing requirements are more stringent for drivers of school buses or airplane pilots than for drivers of cars and are more restrictive for younger drivers or those with conditions that may impair driving. <laughs> oh. Importantly, <laughs> these restrictions are ethical and legal even when a person's higher risk or inability to pass a test is outside their control as with drivers who are visually impaired or who have epilepsy. Ah, I see. By analogy, 
In the setting of COVID-19, <laughs> immunity-based licenses could apply to specific high-risk activities, uh, such as working in a nursing home, and could permit exceptions and gradations. See, okay. By so analogy is doing a lot of work there. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a to big lift. I feel like this component of it fits in with a little bit of the sort of liability conversation that we've been having since the very beginning of this, where there's this sort of like balance, and we're seeing this with like Mitch McConnell's like Senate agenda as well, to sort of create these like ways to push people back into the workforce, but create liability protections for like both the state and the employer for putting people's lives at risk. So Mm -hmm. I feel like if they're like, oh, you can't sue the nursing home because every person in the nursing home had the license, which because they took the test and they passed the test, they're exempt from liability. And to me, when I hear like this uh, sort of balance that they're discussing in this paper, particularly on this point of the like, oh, bus drivers need more hard tests so maybe we do harder tests for nursing home workers the bell that goes off is like we're just going to carve you out from being sued we're going to carve you out from being sued and we're going to carve you out from being sued <laughs> yeah and exactly. then no one has recourse for wrongful death right yeah well and so this is kind of what they're they're, they're sort of um getting towards exactly this point because um they're, they're setting this up basically with the driver's license comparison to to start talking about where it gets kind of really interesting which is their um let's say their inferences about uh, what what doing something like immunity licensing would mean for like equality or mm-hmm. <laughs> work. So uh, they continue. Uh, the ethical case for immunity-based licenses can be buttressed by working to ensure that licenses do not exacerbate inequality. Driver's licenses, uh, driver's license fees unfairly burden lower-income individuals, and transportation for those unable to drive is often inadequate because we don't fund public infrastructure and transit very well, yeah. and it's not ADA compliant most of the time. In contrast, <laughs> ethically easy. sound... In contrast, ethically sound immunity licensing policies would reject license fees and would ensure that unlicensed people are not subject to social or economic exclusion. How? Sure. Yeah, right. right. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, by magic. Uh, banned from grocery stores, back. using public services or traveling, or confined to their homes for an indefinite period of time. Again, how? <laughs> um, activities currently permitted under public health orders, like walking outdoors, driving, interacting with household members, and shopping or working remotely, or at businesses like grocery stores, should not require immunity licenses okay grocery stores sorry anyway right because people with disabilities work there so you know they're um we we know who's at risk so they don't need licenses they're just sacrificial lambs and bodies and cashiers you know yeah that's like the the peak essential like the essential essential workers essential plus but if you think about it this is his entire body of work has Uh, been a way to sort of justify a class-based and age-based eugenics program through the university of pennsylvania yeah um, <clears throat> so anyway, they, they identify that basically in order to protect equality, uh, you need to hit three fundamental ethical values. They're, they're winning. <laughs> Simple um, formula. These fundamental ethical values. The first one is the maximization of benefit. Like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, priority to the least advantaged and treating people equally. So, you know, the other two are like you know whatever the they're, they're just trying to sound list. good oh my god um, this is this is really the what they <clears throat> say in the next paragraph is like is the heart of the it. most telling thing about what this is all about for them yeah yeah if you're standing listening to this sit down yeah <laughs> 
Uh, first, immunity licenses could maximize benefits by safely enabling patronage of bars and restaurants and in-person attendance of cultural, worship, and sporting events. <laughs> Permitting these activities without risking infection would increase tax revenues. Okay. Mm. Like, so, here, so here's so, the thing. The, the first thing that you do in any policy analysis after you've like set the whole thing up is you have to find some way of like quantifying the, the good thing that will happen mm-hmm. as a result <laughs> of the thing. Now, there have been other people who have, have done these models where they're like, if, and, and the, the models are like, it's, it's, it's pointless to talk about their like presumptions because we, as we'll talk about in a second, we can't do, even if we wanted to, we could not do what they are talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, well, that's a whole separate issue. But like, there have been some models that are like, this will reduce the number of like deaths um, mm-hmm. that if, if you were able to do this. Now, whether or not that's true, they actually completely sidestep that. The benefit is framed entirely in terms of like the return to normalcy. Yeah. So yeah. already, already the, it's just like it, the, the policy analysis, the way that they're like coming at it is we have this problem, which is we need to return to normalcy immediately. Um, how do we, how are we going to do that? Well, we can't possibly do that by like trying to keep people um, reasonably like well taken care of in, in any way. We right. have to do that by creating a nationwide but distributed across the 50 states and run by the different 50 states regime of individuating, (laughs) further individuating the knowledge of one's uh, health status and Mm -hmm. rigorously monitoring and metering that status. Like it it, is like one of the most, just from like a basic Pew statistics on like American public attitudes. Mm-hmm. One of the <laughs> like possibly one of the most politically toxic things next to I don't know a tax that requires you to buy insurance. Um, I don't know. <laughs> just, just spitballing. I mean, oh, we've, Lord. we've done this actually in the United States at the Cold Springs Institute at the founding yeah. of the practice of eugenics. That was exactly what the Cold Springs Project was was creating mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, this is this is going to be a a side note, but it's just funny that this all of this like you know, sort of like tower of eugenics nonsense is literally built on top of an assumption that we don't even know to be true. That that like, you know, once immune, immune forever, right? Yeah, exactly. And they That's, do they do like give lip service to that later uh, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. yeah but it really is based on the it is completely based on the assumption of i mean one of i guess i'll, I'll spoil a bit since you brought it up like the one yeah. of the things that they bring up is like we would have to figure out like there are all these there are all these variables up in the air one thing that we'd have to figure out is like how uh how frequently these things are renewed as in like <laughs> how often are you going to need to retest people yeah. because we don't know whether we already don't know how like effective antibodies that people do develop are we right. already don't know like how long they last or how you know we there, we don't know most of this we stuff so doing an immediate virus, license like, thing will not help anyone right now no specifically like and i think that the the fact that this is like framed in a medical context like is absolutely the most unethical and the like Zeke Emanuel should have his license revoked. Can we like 
oh, yeah, advocate for, sure. for that yeah. going forward because this mm-hmm. is like principally speaking like i'm not a phys- i'm not a fucking physician i'm a patient but this is like goes against every like principal understanding of our contemporary practice of medicine in the united states mm-hmm. yeah i mean all you would have to do is switch like every instance of you know um reference to like someone who has immunity in this text to like someone who is able-bodied right and mm-hmm. it would be like whoa right. guy it's already like whoa what right. the fuck are you talking about but it's yeah like not to mention the fact that they're going in saying we have certainty and then we'll work backwards so right anyway so continue okay yeah. so There's continuing because this is again we're getting to the the heart of uh some of some of the the like naked actual argument here mm-hmm. second um and this is again uh in our list of immunity uh based licenses and how they conform to our three fundamental ethical values <laughs> um Second, immunity licenses can be consistent with priority to the least advantaged, sure. That is, uh, people who are medically, socially, or economically vulnerable. Under strict health restrictions, no one would be able to perform in-person social and economic activities. Conversely, if some activities are made conditional on licensure, only people who lack immunity licenses may be disadvantaged in comparison to others. So, yeah, re- like, <laughs> literally contradicts... Mm-hmm. himself okay. like there are not going to be disadvantages here mm-hmm. <laughs> except for the disadvantages except for people who don't have immunity licenses mm-hmm. <laughs> right. generally society avoids policies that level down bringing every person down to the least advantaged position does not solve the problem of disadvantage oh, okay meanwhile although workers with immunity licenses might receive offers so lucrative they would be difficult to refuse what the generous fuck? offers are not coercive what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck what the like time out editor editor yeah <laughs> i i jama pieces are edited they're actually edited in a very interesting way i, I don't know if this is still the case but several years ago i, I discovered that jama pieces are actually edited with pencil on paper and that is <laughs> scanned and and they're edited down like in a pretty sp- specific way this doesn't make any syntactical sense yeah, um, yeah. there are is, a couple moments like that in here <laughs> Um, but also, I mean, beyond syntactical, it's absurd. I mean, the, also, so the, I have like, to read the next sentence because it's paired jam- with it. So if, like, okay, I was going to say, if you don't know what JAMA is, this is like the most important medical journal in right. the world. Um, so anyway, as they just said, meanwhile, although workers with immunity licenses might receive offers so lucrative, they would be difficult to refuse. Generous offers are not coercive. Further, all workers, including the immune, would retain legal protections against being coerced to work. What the uh, fuck? What? What protections? What the I mean, fuck? So like, okay, here's another like rule of policy analysis. You're, you're proposing one thing, right? They're, they're yeah. saying like the, the proposal yeah. is immunity licenses. All right. Uh-huh. Now, if you want to say that other things should be included with it. So for example, they could say, uh, we want immunity licenses and Medicare for all. We, or we, we think that they would be best paired to, to great tastes that taste great together mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. <laughs> like they, they, they could put any number of things in there as other proposals, but you have to explicitly state them, right? Say what they are. You can't just assume what they're doing here is they're smuggling in an assumption that yep. other things in the world would change without us intervening in it. And it's mm-hmm. separate from the proposal. What like so they're just saying, oh, yeah, of course, all, all workers, including the immune, would retain legal protections. Would, would they? Um, right, you haven't specifically proposed that. I mean, I think it's also telling that it's the it's like multiple things in this sort of list that they're presenting 
are hinged on these statements that then they make that are like generalizations about generally mm-hmm. the way society behaves in these circumstances. They're like, yeah. normally people pass policies like this, therefore, which well, it's, it but, d- and it's not even, it's not even that like, cause like the assumption that like Phil was saying, um, which is that you, they're assuming that you would pass other legislation alongside it. Right. This isn't even the case. Like they're basically saying, they're they're talking about a uh, assumption about the way that the world currently functions, right. the w- uh, an assumption about the way that like workers are currently protected, assuming mm-hmm. that p- like people are not already coerced to work, even right. though we have seen time and again, particularly during the pandemic, that people are like threatened a number of things from like wh- like whether it's you must absolutely show like you know Am- right. amazon like canceled its uh it's like uh, unlimited uh um, unpaid time off um like situation a while ago and so a lot of people were essentially like what is that if not being coerced back to work right. others sit like other maybe forced um, is a better <laughs> right other other uh businesses have given their workers the the choice of you either do not wear a mask at work because it will freak people out, even if you're in a service job um, or you quit, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And if you quit, like you don't get unemployment. Um, they're, you know uh, I mean? like, they're incentivized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But this is the thing. It's like, and uh, yeah, anyway. We should, so, keep, we should keep going because there's going. a lot more. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so here's here's where it gets um, real chef's kiss. Getting wild. Yeah. A third consideration indeed a major concern is that immunity licensing might seem to stigmatize people undermining (laughs) the value of equal treatment are immunity based licenses like the yellow stars nazis forced jews to wear can you repeat that line again just for impact are immunity based licenses like the yellow stars nazis forced jews to wear will they split communities in two and stigmatize those without immunity the yellow star and similar forms of invidious discrimination divided people based on race, religion, or heritage, all factors that should be irrelevant to social participation. In contrast, <laughs> vulnerability to COVID-19 is a factor that public health policy already legitimately considers. Any inequalities produced by immunity licenses would not be invidious and would serve the interests of public health and of the disadvantaged. Importantly, refusing to create a regulated licensing program will not avoid stigma and inequality. In the absence of licensing, businesses and individuals may instead elect to use unregulated evidence of immunity, such as test results, or to use assumptions about immunity or vulnerability that are likely to be arbitrary and biased. Okay, I just have one thing to say, and then someone else should jump in, because otherwise I will not stop. But the argument that... If we don't create the system for which people can standardize their discrimination against each other, they will just pick how they're going to do it, and then it'll be willy-nilly. Is the wildest yeah. thing I've ever heard in my I mean, entire life. I guess this comes back to like, what problem are you trying to solve here? Right. Yeah, like, exactly. This is like okay, so um, if we do nothing, it, like discrimination will continue. Well, obviously it will. Um, that's why we should be actively monitoring. Um, invidious discrimination based on health that doesn't make your proposal advantageous or nor does it like suggest that your proposal will mitigate that to any extent. All you're saying is 
if you're worried about the whole discrimination thing, don't worry. It's not like it'll get any worse. Uh, <laughs> it couldn't pot, like, so like you should accept it. You should accept it because it won't make things any worse than they already are. Um, which is a very number one. It's like a very, I guess, optimistic, uh, argument to say oh, the least, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, let's, let's, Let's channel everybody's discrimination through like an official government right. channel. Let's just make it. Let's just legitimate it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's just like. Think, well, uh, <laughs> also, wait. How? How? It. I. <laughs> okay. I, <can>. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a well. I think this is a good point. I, this is, I think this is a good moment to point out something that I um, have not shared with the panel, uh, which is that the co-author of this. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's we talked about how Ezekiel Emanuel mm-hmm. is uh, one of the authors of of this study. There's a there's a co-author uh, who is his frequent collaborator. Who's he's written various um, pretty controversial uh, other papers with over the years cool i haven't Um, gotten a chance to look them up yet this co-author uh govind prasad last month uh published a paper that i think some of these uh assumptions frankly uh based on like a, a, a general read of of both of these texts i think some of the assumptions in in this uh immunity licenses paper are based on but the uh or like govind prasad released a paper last month called uh titled why disability law permits evidence-based triage in a pandemic. (laughs) Translate that for us. So what's he talking about there? Yeah. So basically he Um, took a look at existing current disability laws in the United States. And the paper is about how they, um, you know, they, they justify and in fact support the introduction of laws for who gets, uh, basically for, for triage based on, uh, I think the assumption is you would start to do triage for COVID-19 patients based on how many productive years people are supposed to have. Does this guy have any connection with the the French national health, uh, program? Because I have have a feeling that this is relating to something that I was looking into. Oh my God, this was like months, whatever. There was a, there was a sort of line of this investigation of how to amend, uh, regulations that protect, uh, you know, people with disabilities and, and sort of are meant to guarantee equal care regardless of medical condition um, mm-hmm. in order to uh, more effectively triage people. And it was like all this stuff coming out of like Italy and France that was like, we have to basically suspend protections for equal access to medical care so that we can like make judgments about um, people's potential for like uh, contributing to GDP on like a statistical <laughs> basis going forward yeah. because Death we can't hell. just be triaging based yeah. on their current health. We have to triage based on like an idea and understanding of what their health could be over time going forward to society as like mm. a sort of Noah's Ark. We need two of every one on the boat mm. and we don't really need more than that. So we want to make sure we've got the right ones on the boat because this person, they, you know, three generations ago, their IQ was X, Y, Z and this person it was that so this person's more likely to maybe be a doctor in 20 years so we should save this child over that child but really at the end of the day is a French doctor looking at a black baby and a white baby and going save the white one you know like <laughs> it's fucking wild I, yeah how how is this medicine oh it's how not. is this yeah exactly this, <laughs> this is no no this is 
Yeah. Yeah. Bias trying to pass yeah. this off as medicine, trying to pass this off as medicine is one thing. What's worse is they're trying to pass this off as ethics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. That to me, I mean, and we, we have been referring to this as a study. It's not a study. It is, no. an, it is an attempt at a, what is like known as a sort of like ethical policy analysis where you're not doing cost benefit analysis trade-offs. You're doing ethical, you're walking through like ethical choices that are involved in this. It's like, you know, trolley problem shit. Yeah. And, and, to, this and is, to that point, yeah, I mean, Govan Prasad teaches in the philosophy department, I believe. But <laughs> uh, sorry, you were saying, Phil? No, I mean, but what I'm, you know, the, the question I would ask is like, Govin, why are you trying to take our podcast away from us? Why are you trying to like, why are you trying to do, you can't do death panel. This, this is our podcast. <laughs> this is our area of expertise. Yeah. Okay. So uh, last, I guess last thing that I'll, I'll read here probably because uh, unless there's other uh, highlights we need to get into, but because, um, you know, as Vince mentioned before the question of whether uh, these immunity tests are even uh, like what, like how efficacious it is because who knows how long the immunity lasts or to what degree uh, it, it prevents from infection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, you know, they do acknowledge that and say that like, we'd still have to figure out like the periodicity of renewals for these licenses, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, oh and that's like an interesting thing in itself, but I want to just point out the really, you know, we have we had fun here. Obviously, the uh, the the whole the whole the whole here. thing about we like the yellow star too. comment is is one thing, but I really feel like this part is um, the cherry on top. I think, <laughs> listeners, I um, bet you didn't think it could get better after the yellow star thing, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the absence of a vaccine, so this is this is them now. So, uh, continuing on. In the absence of a vaccine, the benefits of licenses might encourage uninfected people to relax protective measures or actively seek infection. (laughs) This is analogous to parents organizing parties to intentionally infect their children with varicella, uh, despite the potential for the very small risk of brain damage or death from infection. Although this incentive exists to some extent even without licensing, it is a concern that must be weighed against the benefits of licensing. It is difficult to completely prevent, particularly in a society that values individual autonomy, as we've been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) One strategy for mitigating this incentive could be to offer licenses first or only to people likely to encounter infection in any event, such as healthcare workers, to which I would pause (sighs) and say... Okay, but also this, I think this also is built on that fundamental point that they make earlier that there are some people who are not as at risk when we know for a fact that like 20 year olds are Mm -hmm. dying of COVID-19, not just from do it, like not just from, um, pulmonary stuff, but also from like strokes and heart attacks, um, which are, you know, caused by blood clotting from COVID-19. So anyway, to continue. Another approach could be to first license members of lower risk groups, such as university students. What the mm-hmm. fuck? What? No. What? Okay. <laughs> Guess they yeah. haven't seen the epidemiology on universities, but maybe okay. yeah. maybe what they mean never by never seen a college dorm before. Yeah. <laughs> maybe what they mean by like lower risk groups is able to be milked for capital for more decades going forward maybe i mean i think this literally just means that they again they think young people are not as susceptible which we know to be completely false they're idiots Mm -hmm. 
Yet another approach could be to focus licensing on high-risk groups who are less likely to voluntarily seek infection. A final option might be to have license applicants self-attest that they did not intentionally become infected. So... (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. um, Cool. I mean, I think this this actually really tells you so much about the fundamental framework here because they spent this entire paragraph... decently big paragraph for the for what is within the context of the rest of the text basically like wringing their hands over whether people would intentionally seek out becoming infected from COVID-19 to get one of these licenses and their solution their best solution <laughs> and solutioneering is, for what it. if we ask them to promise that they don't yeah <laughs> what if we ask really really nicely and make sure that they understand that they're under no coercion, but they will be paid more if they do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. fourth, the benefits of immunity licenses could encourage forgery, illegal markets or fraud by unethical physicians or testing facilities. So waste, fraud and abuse people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These problems underscore the need for careful implementation through strategies like anti-counterfeiting designs, cryptographic or biometric features, great, and reliable chains of verification for tests, but they do not vitiate the advantages of licensing. The possibility of bribed examiners or forged documents has not undermined driver's (laughs) licenses and passports. They are like literally trying to rebuild the Cold Springs Institute database with like uh, health data on every single American using (laughs) COVID-19 to like get all of our biometrics and like give us blockchain fucking implants or whatever and and just like have lists and lists and lists and pass judgment on Ezekiel Emanuel is like you merely adopted race science I was born in Cold Spring Harbor yes I didn't see a refutation to eugenics until I was nearly a man um, sorry I do that I do that fucking Bane bit too often no it's a good it's bit though but it's a good it's one yeah yeah it's oh god it's also just like uh, like uh, al- like allow me to undermine my argument in several ways just like uh, 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 yeah god this is i can't get over the fact that this Vince is so this stupid this is I so stupid yeah i blame i of- blame zeke yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. can I just quick amendment? Don't forget yeah. that he is a a healthcare consultant on Joe Biden's campaign. Right. But Lovely. like, and Joe okay. Biden's wanna, older than the age he thinks people should be euthanized at. <laughs> I want to. I want to leave aside like the like the politics, like who Zeke is as a person. Like you could just leave all that like aside, though you shouldn't. But let's let's <laughs> yeah. let's pretend to be fair for a second. But, but I won't be. Um, the, the, this doesn't merit fairness. I'm sorry. No. Not everything does. Um, but this. Kind. But like, okay. What they're asking you to accept is a series of assumptions about the applicability of these tests. They avail. You know the the fact that we could know something about immunity in in the you know uh, in the long run and, and the like the accuracy and like sort of certifiability of, mm-hmm. of, of these serology tests, which is rubbish. I mean, it doesn't, it's not real. Um, so it's the same thing where like, they're like, Oh, well, it, we couldn't possibly have Medicare for all. That's just, it's too, right. it's too wild a thing. Um, because you have to assume all of these other things about the way it's, it's 17% of the GDP. This is so much more just, uh, just bat shit. Uh, yeah, uh, dy- dystopian in the sense of like having to do a lot to make it work. 
Um, but what they're saying is like the way that they excuse themselves from responsibility here is like, well, we would only really support this if all of these other conditions were met. But you know what happens with policy ideas like this? And like anyone who says, well, we're just sort of working in this like toy world where we have like our assumptions and we really mm-hmm. are serious mm-hmm. about having them all met is mm-hmm. y- you have to be uh, either naive or duplicitous to like sell people on the claim that like, oh yeah, we're going to put this idea out in the world and like, it's not going to somehow get disentangled from all of the conditions and assumptions we put on it. What's right. going to happen here is yeah. a very, very mm-hmm. prominent person has put this out in the ether. Other countries are thinking about adopting it. None of these, if, if this is adopted, none of these conditions are going to be met. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a regime that is based on like pseudoscience and implemented politically because that's yeah. how these things work. Yeah, and it's going to be exactly the thing that the Costco guys are afraid of. Right. That they think that people that like that their belief is essentially that like already things have been organized as such to do that sort of control mechanism, which, you know, they're now mm-hmm. which is now theoretically being floated. Mm-hmm. essentially right and and well i mean the other thing is just that like it's it's hard because you go on a this is like a choose your own adventure book you're like on it this is like an rl some rl stein shit you're just like on a journey with <laughs> mm-hmm. uh with the author and then like you land in this place like what what were we trying to do and yeah. the answer is like get the economy yeah reopen started yeah. again i mean this is um not i mean to, to to advance this as as the as the central frame, um, and the central like sort of policy problem that we're going to like advance over others is so just mind-numbingly irresponsible, and like mm-hmm. it's it's just um it, it just it angers me because the way that this gets published. Somebody asked earlier, this is just gets published because of prestige, right? Yeah, if if well, if, 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 if if like one of you were like a, an MPH student or like a postdoc and you tried to publish this, it would probably not get published because it's actually bad Yeah, because it's Zeke <laughs> well, Emanuel. It gets published in JAMA. And I think, I think the thing that you pointed out uh, just a moment ago too is really uh, important mm-hmm. um, key to this and how, and how this can get, how this type of uh, thing can get sort of like laundered into again, either mainstream discourse or obviously, you know, this is, this is currently something that like, I doubt, I doubt that like you'll see many people talking about uh, like this particular paper. Although now I have seen that, um, Zeke Emanuel is starting to do a bunch of interviews mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it is becoming a, it is becoming like a, a thing that's slowly trickling up, uh, into, Hopefully. into consciousness yeah. about like, uh, you know, the immunity passports idea, as as you know something to to maybe ward off uh, a little bit but i think that the you know again, again this this kind of thing um the thing that you mentioned earlier phil that is like essentially it, it, this th- this type of thing is often presented as like oh i'm just saying i'm just like saying this like right. i'm just saying this and then and uh putting this out and you would need all these other policy prescriptions uh for it but also but like the corollary move to that, I think, is the line that is used quite a lot, which I think, unfortunately, is a line that does protect a lot of actually good and valuable academic research, but is that is the line that essentially like, oh, you know, like academic studies, academic research, like often will like try to model out ideas that are being like 
mm-hmm. thrown out there, like ideas that are circulating um, without necessarily endorsing them. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but that is which not is what to, this is. Which yeah. is not, yeah, no, which is not exactly no. what this is. But this that is an that advocacy is, piece. But yeah, when, they'll use the same defense, though. Right, but that was the defense of um, the death panel thing, actually. Exactly. When Zeke Emanuel did the, did the like, his... Um, you know, has like, you know, did that work or whatever, like, um, like more than a decade ago, you know, that was Mm -hmm. the, that was the foundation of, of sort of the defense of like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at it. Right. And, and, you know, it's like, and, and actually about, about the paper that started the whole death panel thing, like he was correct in saying that what, you know, what actually created the controversy though, was not the paper itself and the modeling and the, the thought experiment he was working through in that paper what but it was the op-eds and media appearances that he did after it was published spinning yeah. his idea and selling it on like dr oz show well also actually frank, actually now i think of it it's like reminding me of the like the charles murray yeah thing because mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. uh, this is also basically how charles murray uh like defended his right has has defended for like his entire career his beliefs um it's just that like charles murray got like canceled harder i guess Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe Zeke's day is coming and folks, maybe you can help us. Gang. I doubt it. I mean, with people like Zeke Emanuel and uh, Larry Summers on the Biden team, you know, who needs uh, with friends like these, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway. Wow. I mean, this has been a really this has been a really fun thing to go through together. Um, I don't know how I could have ever survived the above <laughs> language alone. So thank you guys. Yeah. Because yes. it was a true, it was a true treat, um, mm-hmm. though in the way that a horror movie is a treat, you know. <laughs> um, so except for this is real. Anyways, uh, we'll just sort of let that trash fire lay. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to help support the show, if you'd like a little extra death panel in your life, if you want access to our second weekly bonus episode, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash death panel pod. You can also leave us a rating or review or um, just come hang with us in the discord. Mm-hmm. I think with that Medicare for all now solidarity forever. Stay alive another week and catch you on the next one. Bye. See y'all. <laughs>